From beautiful downtown Milheim, in the smack dab center of the Keystone State, this is Lou Bryson with Seen Through a Glass, the podcast that's mostly about drinking in central Pennsylvania. Welcome to episode seven, a therapeutic weekend in Williamsport. Kathy and I had such a good time running the spots for the recent Lewistown episode that we decided to do another. Since I already had an interview recorded with Quinn Kirk and Chris Kariga at Nearby Therapy Brewing, I decided to have a look at Williamsport. Williamsport, Billtown, is best known to the rest of the country as the home of the Little League World Series. Every August, the players, parents, and tens of thousands of fans show up. ESPN does, too. And that's part of why we decided to go in January. It took two days to take it in. We got to most of the places I wanted to visit, but not all, so we'll probably be back at some point in the future. I definitely want to get back to Kimball's Pub for another in the OG Beer Bar interview series. But as I said, I did interview the owners, brewers, operators, bartenders, janitors, <laughs> at Therapy Brewing, Quinn and Chris, and we'll get to that. Funny thing, I just ran into Chris at Big Spring last weekend at the Baltic Boilermaker tasting I told you about in the previous episode. He'd taken the weekend off and was making a loop around the area to hit a few places. He'd just come from Shy Bear. Those beers and the whiskey are still around at Axeman and Big Spring, but they may not be for long. If you get a chance, they're worth stopping in for. So here's how we'll do this. We'll talk about the first day of Williamsport visits, starting out in the woods at Nomad Distilling. And then we'll do the interview and wrap up with fresh roasted coffee and fresh brewed beers on a Saturday morning in Williamsport, along with a fun note about a previous episode. But first, here's what I'm drinking today. I have tapped from Nomad Distilling. This is a, uh, <laughs> really, really, it's a flavored whiskey. Normally, not a big fan. I would rather drink whiskey or have a flavor. I don't really care for the two of them together. Cocktails being an obvious exception. Tapped, I kind of drank just because it was put in front of me. And I am planning a, a maple syrup episode. I'd like to do one if we can. So it just seemed like something I should do. I was also caught by the label, which says, Tapped Maple, presumably excellent. <laughs> and I uh, I was kind of touched by that, uh, that, uh, that presumption. Tapped comes in at... 70 proof, 35% ABV, which is uh, normal for a liqueur, and usually liqueurs have sugar added. In this case, it's maple sugar. So what this is, is Nomad's unaged corn whiskey, the same as in the, the 91 bottles that we'll talk about, and some Wellsboro-sourced uh, dark amber maple syrup. So this is an all-Pennsylvania product. And it smells, it smells like corn whiskey with rich amber syrup in it. Let's have a taste. Mm. And that is what really hit me when we were there at Nomad. Just the, I've really come to like the dark amber maple syrup since I've been living up here. And uh, wow, it really comes through here. This makes me want to just pour this all over ice cream. It tastes so good. Mm. And it the maple syrup adds a viscosity to this uh, otherwise like light and flighty corn whiskey that just makes this a really great, great flavor on the tongue. And the thing is, it's corn whiskey, it's dark amber syrup, and just a little touch of vanilla extract. Mm. It just tastes so real, because it is. It's not an extract. It's not a, a fake flavor. It's not any kind of essence. It's it's just whiskey, maple syrup, and vanilla. That's it. And that's what it tastes like. If I were you, and you were in the neighborhood, I'd drop by and grab a bottle. It's pretty good stuff. I have to try that on pancakes this weekend. <laughs> but on with the show. I have a history with Williamsport, and I was reminded of it when we visited. Bullfrog Brewery opened in 1996, and I was there, covering it for the late Ale Street News beer newspaper. Over the next 25 years, I would visit Bullfrog, Kimball's Pub, Franco's Lounge, the Genetti Hotel, places that are no longer around as well, like the rum bar that briefly flourished on fracking money. The town's got a big brewery now. New Trail is the hot, hoppy ticket in the area, and their laid-back industrial chic space by the 15220 interchange draws folks from all over. 
One brewery always supports others, and there are six within three miles now. On this day, we came from well out of town, which gave us a chance to hit Nomad Distilling on the way in. Nomad's not far from Williamsport. It's an easy ten minutes from New Trail, but you're definitely in the country there. It used to be a winery, but that's been dropped by the new owners. It's all distillery, all the time. Nomad has a pretty big tasting room with a corner bar, and you know me, that's where I headed. <laughs> we scanned the spirits menu. I blew past the flavored moonshines and went straight to the three whiskeys. The bartender, who introduced herself as Precious, was happy to pour us small samples. Noble Bourbon is a blend of their own whiskey and sourced Kentucky bourbon, all at least two years old. To be honest, it seemed a bit thin, with a kind of odd floral note. But 91, their clear corn whiskey at 91 proof, the stuff that's used in the tapped, was quite nice, clean, with peppery vegetal notes. She said they used it in a margarita-like drink in place of tequila, and I can see that. The third was tapped, which we just tasted. I liked it. After that, we ordered a notorious FIG cocktail. Bourbon, lemon juice, cinnamon simple syrup, and fig jam. That was good. There's a fig component in the chemical compounds in bourbon, and the jam brought that out. I had heard good things about the food at Nomad, so we got an order of cheesesteak egg rolls. They came out hot and freshly made, and they were delicious. I get these fairly regularly at Iron Hills pubs when I stop by, and these were definitely up to that standard. Cheesy, tender beef, crunchy wrap. We took in the outdoor space as we left. It's a large deck with a ceiling full of fairy lights, Made a note to come back in the summer. Then we were off to Kimball's Pub. Kimball's is across the street from the Penn College campus, and I've been going there for years. It's not very big, not very fancy, but the beers are always well curated and well kept. They know what they're doing. There are 22 taps, a similarly well curated selection of bottles and cans, including some classic Belgian beers. Please, drink more good Belgian beers. They need your love and respect. I didn't do that. I got a Wallace's Revenge Scotch Ale from Wellsboro House, my first beer from there. I wanted to try it. It was good, with caramel flavors and a slight drying huskiness. We also split a salad, warmed canned albacore tuna on a very crisp, fresh bed of greens and vegetables. The menu overall was solid pub fare, but it had an interesting twist. There was an alternative assortment of vegetarian food, tofu cheesesteaks, impossible burgers, and sandwiches made from their own house-made tempeh. The service was quick, friendly, and personable. We felt at ease immediately, as I always have at Kimball's. Kind of wanted to stay, but we had to keep moving. So we headed out the door and drove over to New Trail, just a few minutes away. Now, New Trail's not fancy. It's in an industrial area. You drive up to it on a, a gravel drive through that. It's definitely not fancy inside, with high-hung, subdued lighting, scattered tables, and unpolished metalwork incorporated into a lot of the bar. The merch is displayed on garment district-style racks in an area between the door and the bar. But it's welcoming enough, and the people we met were friendly. I did find myself wondering, not for the first time, if they were keeping things deliberately not fancy to put off any impression of big success. Pretty sure New Trail is the second biggest brewery in the Stag listening area, after Trogues. New Trail's known for their IPAs, but there were only four IPAs on tap when we visited. There were also three hefty dark ales, two lagers, a wit, an amber, and a triple. Pretty varied, actually, and as we sat there, cases of the new crisp lager were going out the door at a pretty good clip. We got tasters. We were pacing ourselves. Kathy got a Lazy River Pills, clean and snappy, hopped with citra for a fruity citrus aroma, not your usual pilsner. I got a hatchet, a New England IPA that was sharp and short indeed, a multi-purpose IPA that wasn't afraid to be hazy and aromatic, but still deliver a good pithy bitterness. Next round, still going with the small four-ounce samples, I got the triple. My untapped notes on it? If I didn't have things I had to do... I'd consider sitting here the rest of the afternoon drinking this fine, fine triple. Just sweet, barely, with a touch of creaminess and spice. Kathy tried the crisp. It was a solid American-type lager. Clean and, yes, crisp. We had planned to leave after these, but we both wanted to try something dark and, yeah, sticky. That's the name of their imperial milk porter, made with maple syrup and coffee, conditioned on cinnamon and vanilla. 
you know, there's at least three things I didn't like about that idea, and I should have stayed away, but I tried it. For you. The maple just wasn't there, which was a disappointment, and the cinnamon came off more fiery than warming. My least favorite beer of the day. It's a good thing we got two dark samples. The other was the barrel-aged moonlit stout, and wow, this was a masterclass in barrel-aging beer. They got all the good stuff out of the wood without any of the nasty old wood flavors. It was a big beer, but not flabby or sloppy. I definitely could have had two of these, if I didn't have work to do. And by work to do, I mean drinking more beer somewhere else. So we headed up the road to Ripstein's Pub. Now, I first drank Bart Ripple's beer at the Valley Inn, just south across the river, back in, wow, 2006. But I also drank them at Riverhouse in Milton, maybe four years later. I liked those beers, but the places didn't last. At least, not as breweries. The Valley Inn is still there. So it was nice to see some of those beers again. I went right to Bart's Double IPA, the old Alpha Deuce, and it was the clean, bitter, West Coast-style IPA I recalled. As I savored it, we chatted with the bartender, who was energetically engaging, a moonlighting schoolteacher with a whimsical sense of humor. She talked us into trying the soft pretzel with cheese dip. It was a pretty standard pub pretzel, big, soft, hot, but the cheese dip was ridiculously hearty, chunky with cheese, tempting you to just go ahead and spoon it up. This was our last driving stop for the day, so I decided to have another old friend, Reindeer Fuel. It's Bart's Belgian Strong Dark Ale, with additions of honey and raspberries, and in this incarnation, aged in rye whiskey barrels for two full years. It was 12% ABV and brimming with flavor. The spicy yeast effects, the fruit, the barrel. I usually like a well-integrated beer, but this was so exuberantly all over the map, it was hard not to like it. It was like an excited puppy that wants to knock you over and lick your face. It was fun! But fun time was eventually over, and we headed for our room. The Genetti Hotel is old school, quiet, with decades of photos on the wall, chronicling the state and national celebrities who've stayed there, given speeches there. Our two-room suite was affordable and comfortable, clean and quiet. The bathroom was a bit small, but adequate. We freshened up and walked across the intersection to the Moon and Raven public house. We would be on foot for the rest of the night, wisely. When I was tossing around ideas for this trip, a few people advised me to skip the Moon and Raven. Bad beer, they said. Boring place. Average food. Uh, the only explanation I can think of here is that maybe there's two places in Williamsport named the Moon and Raven, because this was easily one of our top three stops on this jaunt. First, it was a happy place, engaged in smiling people, drinking and talking, and the staff was humming at that pace good service people hit when they're in control and everything's going well. Second, it was a cool place, with dark wood walls, a long, maybe 50-foot-long bar that was a stage for the bar staff's performance, and lively Irish traditional music playing. And then, well, the food and drink were anything but average. I was caught by a wave of, why not, and ordered a Negroni. Kathy was cold, so she ordered an Irish coffee. Both were bullseye perfect, the Negroni sitting at that perfect intersection of bitter, herbal, and bright, the Irish coffee a life-lifting potion of hot, sweet, boozy java. That's when I realized that the bartender was Taylor Strine, who we met back in episode two, when he was tending bar at Roscoe's Brewhouse. Running into Taylor and talking to Chef Cuddy at the farm show last episode reminded me how much the Penn College Brewing Program and Culinary Arts Programs have advanced the level of beer and food in Williamsport. I'll bet there are graduates all through the restaurants and breweries in the area, and it shows. Advantage Billtown. We ordered a small plate of shrimp scampi to keep us going till dinner, and we each got a pint of Guinness when the cocktails ran out. We were chatting with a group of young women next to us, having a wonderful time as the music kept bubbling along. The scampi arrived, and the shrimp was absolutely on point, not fleshy raw, not rubbery overcooked, and drenched with delicious pan sauce. The Moon and Raven had an interesting menu and a good selection of whiskey and other spirits that ordinarily we'd have stayed to sample, especially with our hotel right across the street. But we had blocks to walk and beers to drink before we slept. The next stop was the Brickyard Restaurant and Ale House. And by now, it was about 6.30 on this Friday night and things were a bit crazy. They'd just had a Trogues tap takeover, so I grabbed a Nitro Nugget Nectar. 
How's that for a double dose of alliteration? Kathy decided to have a glass of water and hydrate. She's always been the smart one. As I sipped the smoothly paralyzing nitro hop blast, I surveyed the scene. The brickyard also has a good whiskey selection, something that's become gratifyingly common these days. And the burgers smelled great, but, well, there was no place to sit and dinner reservations were our next stop. I have to be honest, I guess I wasn't nuts about the brickyard, and some of that is just me being old. It was very much a younger crowd. But I would definitely go back in the summer to try the outdoor seating. Brickyard and its companion restaurant, Stonehouse Pizza, are on an alley that's blocked off for pedestrians only, with lights strung across and planters. Pictures of the outdoor dining look positively European. That I'd like to go back for. And more of that nitro nugget nectar if I can get it. We had 7.30 reservations at Franco's Lounge, an old favorite. I'd come up with this trip idea at the last minute, and when I made reservations, we had to settle for seats at the bar. Ha! <laughs> Joke's on them. That's the only place I ever said it, Franco's. Franco's Lounge Restaurant and Music Club, to give it its full name, is very much old-school Italian restaurant and lounge. Long and narrow, behind a curtained door with a speakeasy feel, booths along one wall and a dining room in the back. Everyone's talking, everyone's animated. We settled in at the corner of the bar and ordered drinks. Kathy got a glass of Sangiovese that was, sadly, from the tail end of the bottle and a bit tired. I had a neat pour of Tamdu malt that was anything but tired. It was quite fine indeed. We ordered the Shroom app, hot mushrooms with wine, parmesan, and pepperoni chunks, intensely flavorful and juicy. We decided to give up on Kathy's wine as a bad go and got a bottle of Dolcetta di Alba, and that was a different story. Save the evening. Kathy got a wild boar bolognese on pappardelle that was rich and aromatic. I got the Roman carbonara, the classic preparation without any cream. It was tasty and light, studded with salty, rich pancetta. The wine blew up the bolognese, brought out the depth of flavor, and it was a delightful counterpoise to my carbonara. We were happy, and even happier to split a piece of perfect, unadorned cheesecake as dessert. Well, folks, we were done, and we headed back to the hotel. When I remembered that the Gennetti also has a bar, so we went for one more. Had a nice fresh glass of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale before we went upstairs to bed. The next day had some good stops, but before we do that, let's get to that interview. Therapy Brewing is one of the first places we talked about on Scene Through a Glass, and I decided pretty quickly that I wanted to talk to Quinn and Chris about what they were doing there. So about a month later, I went out there and did that. For what I hope is the last time, apologies for the sound. I think we finally fixed the mic wobble that you'll hear here. Also, this was supposed to run last month, but then I added the holiday episode and the farm show episode, and, well, here we are in February. It's perils of scheduling. But enough of that. Here's the interview. Hi, I'm at Therapy Brewing with owners and, and operators, Quinn Kirk and Chris Carriga. Is that close? Very good. Okay. All right. Good. I've only been here once before, and as soon as I... Well, really, as soon as you poured that first beer and I tasted it, I think it was the non-pickled, the cucumber saison. As soon as I tasted that, I knew I had to come out and, and talk to you guys. This is uh, this is quite an operation. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot of breweries. I've seen maybe one other like this, this far out in the country. And this, I mean, you're, you've got a, a small tap room. You've got an immaculate little brewery. And your beers are great. How did you? How did you get here? Let me, uh, you know, tell me your story. Do you want? Do you want to start? Well, the the, the easy start is. And this is Chris. This is Chris. Yeah. Uh, Quinn bought this property. Okay. Uh, to to build himself and his family a, a nice house. We had been homebrewing together for a number of years, and uh, the conversation just turned into beer. Of course, one day, and I said, "Are you going to have?" As it does. Are you Are you going to have horses, cattle, or pigs in those barns? He said, no. I said, you want to build a brewery? <laughs> you know, and of course, our eyes light up. What, why not? Sure. So th- that's the, that was the start of the conversation, I think. So this, this building was the original wagon shed for the property. Okay. And it was sort of, do you think we can put a brewery in the wagon shed? And I always tell people the answer is yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> we, we, we figured out how to make it work. So uh, you chose the wagon shed because it was in better repair or it was a better size? Well, we wanted the barn. But the cost just to insulate the barn uh, yeah. was just the entire budget for this building. Yeah, the rehab to do the barn is huge. Yeah, it's a big uh, building. And, it, it, you know, we could 
we could be a lot bigger brewery if we were in there. But that's with its own logistical headaches that we don't really want to entertain at the moment. So yeah, we, we enjoy the size of, of what we have right now. Right. This this building, the wagon shed, I mean, it's a thousand square foot building, all included, which takes care of our 10 by 10 cooler, the bathroom, the bar, the tasting room, and then the an entire brewery on the backside of one, one wall. So, yeah. Yeah. One, I mean, upside downside with that. I mean, you've got a great outdoor property, but the last time I was here, it was about sixty degrees. Today, it's we're like thirty-five degrees. Right. <laughs> I mean, do people still go outside? We will have people stay outside today. The sun, the sun is shining. The sun is shining. I mean, oh, it's. Yeah. It, I'm sure it's nice on the porch. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. They'll dress. They'll dress. They'll dress appropriately. It. Yeah. Okay. I mean, some of the most fun days here are when it snows. I'll bet. A lot of people dress for it and stay outside and their kids sled down the hill and and they're drinking beers tailgate style and uh it's it's just a really nice atmosphere well that was i had a question about that later on but since we're there why don't we talk about it let's let's talk about the whole out in the woods thing i mean the nearest town is what four thousand people and it's not that near yeah, I mean, yeah, Hughesville or Muncie are probably the nearest towns. Yeah, and they're not. Um, not they're they're not big. big. No, uh, no. This is. So where do the people come from? Everywhere. How did you get the word out? How, where did the draw start? Or was it re- was it really a brew it and they'll come thing? It, it, it turned into the brew it and they will come. Brew thing. it and they will come. The uh, I, I joke about how far away people come. And there's a buddy of mine I went to high school with doesn't believe people come here. And, I, and he was here one weekend, and I said, I guarantee our first customer will be from Philly. And, and they were. <laughs> oh, my God. They were. And our second customer was from York. And, wow. And I said, so these are people that are people that are listening to the podcast, reading the magazines, looking for those beers or those places that are those sure. little destination fun trips. And they come. They show up. And then they tell their buddies. I mean, word of mouth has got to be a big part of this. Huge. It, it's all. I mean, if you look at marketing, we don't. There's no marketing budget. We, you know, we have a presence on Facebook and Instagram, and we post when we release new beers and if we have a change in our hours and that kind of stuff. But that, that's really it. That, that's all we do, um, and and the rest is all word of mouth. Wow, wow. Which is, I mean, you know, word of mouth. Of course, obviously, as you just know, word of mouth gets amplified on social media these days, quite a bit, but. I I'm, I found out you about you literally from someone speaking to me face to face. Which right. I right. mean I, that's and the thing that I was found really cool about this is I mean I've been at this since '81. I that's when I had my first out of the mainstream beer. That's how we used to do it. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. The, the, yeah. How you used to do it. I mean, you can't see it on the on the podcast. Right. There's no there's no television on the wall. Here. No. I turned the radio off <laughs> for the interview. <laughs> And the cell phone signal sucks. So, oh, yeah. Okay. So, so you may or may not have one when you're here. So you're forced to, this is going to sound crazy, sit down and have a conversation with somebody, whether you know them or not. Yeah. We get so many connections made of people that have never met before. Yeah. They just start talking about anything. The beer leads to something else. Next thing you know, they're, they meet here to, you know, just to have another drink. Yeah, it's, or, it's, or it's there, are, there are people who who go to de- destination brewery trips right. and they, they meet them here and they exchange numbers and their their next trip they're going to go together, you know, <laughs> three or four families worth or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very very neat. Um, it, the not the very low cell phone thing is really pretty cool because I I, when I'm not working, one of my favorite things is to come to the brewery and see everybody just sitting out talking to one another. Yeah. It's it sounds so ridiculous, but it's just an amazing thing to see people socializing and having a really nice time without staring at their device. Right, right. I mean, that, that first time I was here, sat out on the porch with, with my buddy, and we were watching a family play catch. Yeah. You know, out on the grass. It was just... And, I, and you know, to be fair, I'm used to seeing that kind of thing at, like, a, a beer garden in Germany. That happens, but it's nice to see it happening here again. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to some of the questions I was going to ask before we get off on that, which is, I mean, I took I took video the last two minutes driving down here in the car. Okay. I had the, had the camera up on the dash and just because I, I I need people to understand that you really are out there. It's awesome. I mean, there are further out breweries. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was one I was up in the Catskills. It's four miles out a dead end road in the wilderness area. 
they make great beer. If you go up to Vermont, these little tiny breweries, oh, yeah. some of those you're on dirt roads for a long, long time, and you go, "Am I? Am I there? Am I close?" And we get that same vibe. We'll have people that drive past our sign frequently. Uh huh. Either direction doesn't make a difference. Right. Our sign used to be for the first year. It used to be the size of a piece of paper. Yeah. It was very small. Your sign is still blends into the it background does. a little bit. It, it really, well, really does. I mean, some <laughs> of that's by design, okay. right? So, so uh, there are two things at play. The township has. Uh, ah. Guidelines on how big your sign is allowed to be, so okay. we have to be within those guidelines, which we are. But we also wanted a sign that felt like what Therapy Brewing is, what this place is like. So yeah, it's uh, it's all the same wood as the siding, and it's got a tin roof over it, and I mean it it does blend in with the atmosphere, and that's what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like if you if you're going to get here, you've got to know where you're going and. Yeah. You can always, when you do get a cell phone signal, you can always call. We'll help you. Okay. <laughs> get the yeah. last couple yeah. of miles. <laughs> to be fair, the, I mean, GPS worked fine. Yeah. And everybody's yeah. is different. Everyone, they will, oh, go really? on a, they will go on a different adventure. Your, your car might take you this way or that way. But, I mean, the, the roads the, all can get there. The first year we, we spent trying to make sure that the different map software understood where our location was. Yeah. Um, because the property is a, a farm it would often send people to the other side of the oh, farm right okay. which is out of a, a, oh, a very <laughs> tiny road uh, <laughs> so yeah so therapy brewing i mean there's an obvious just feeling good because you're here but there seems to be more than that so what do you where'd you guys come to that i mean i always tell people the the first thing i always tell people is that yes just being in this location whether or not you have a beer or two it's very therapeutic to go sit out here with the sun beating on you and, and talk to a buddy. Our logo is the tire swing, the trees at the end of the parking lot with the tire swing. You turn into a 12-year-old kid if you get into the tire swing. It doesn't matter if you're 40 or not. Um, there's something very therapeutic about that. Just it, You instantly become a kid, um, and that, that's very therapeutic as well. And then there's some other connections that we have. Uh, yeah, both, both families have some... Uh, occupational stuff that's medically related. So we've got a, a, a doctor. My wife's a physical therapist. I used to I used to do some stuff too. So um, we do have therapy built into what we do or have done in the past. And I, like I'm staring out the window right now. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's a beautiful it's, day. Yeah, and we'll get we'll get people. Like we I, mean, the, I remember the first couple weekends we had a guy come up and he was he needed to cut grass, but he heard about us, so he came up for a beer, and he stayed till we closed. And he cut grass the next day. And he sat on the deck just watching the trees, like the wind just kind of blow the leaves around. And he's like, I'm just relaxing. This is just fantastic. Yeah. I'm like, well, you're, you're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> so the beers. Do you have uh, different beer types that each of you specialize in? Or do you just both brew everything? Or Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to say it. We each have things that we we like and don't like that that we brew. I think from the from the beginning, one of the nice things with having the home brewing background, um, we did, did it for a long, long time. Yeah, so you had time. you've got recipes that are winners, recipes that are losers. But we had a portfolio of things that we definitely knew we liked. Mm, okay. So that first year, just focused on the first year here open, we did not repeat a beer. Yeah. So we always had an easy drink your beer. We usually always do, and we always had an IPA. Okay. But they were always something they were always different. different. Uh-huh. So when one batch kicked, someone says, when does this come back? We, we, we have no idea. We don't know if it ever will come <laughs> right. back. And so we've got those two beers, the hops and the knot, and then we play with everything else in between. And you start going down through all your recipes. There were some I held on to for a couple of years just because uh, I wasn't ready to brew this one yet. And now we're just starting to flirt a little bit with repeating some of the things that we've done that we've liked and in the past. How long has it been? I'm sorry, I forgot to ask. Since we started home since brewing, since you opened, no, since you oh, no. since we opened, uh, we'll, we it'll opened. be four years in May. Yep. Okay, and you still have some you haven't haven't gotten to yet. Is that? Absol- oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we just repeated. Uh, so the IPA that's on right now is our wagon shed. We're in the wagon shed. Right. Our wagon shed IPA that we opened with. Yeah. Oh, and, and this is the first time. This is the first time we've brewed it. We brewed. Yeah. Even with a name like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the the thought was, 
well, it's been three years. We're better brewers now. Let's let's pull this recipe back out and see how it is. And yes, we are better brewers. It's, for that that's year. We, we're loving yeah. it. We're loving it. That's It'll great. be sad when it's gone, but we already have another, a brand new IPA that we've never even tried before. <laughs> we just added some more hops to it yesterday. So yeah, that's that's what's next. Okay. So are you are you brewing to the customer? Are you brewing to yourself? Are you just I don't know. Are you just on whim? No, it's not on whim. There's a lot more thought that goes into it than that. I wouldn't say that we brew specifically to the customer base either. There are things that we know that we like and we know are good. And our customer base now is willing to approach a lot of things that they might not have been interested in approaching early on when we were open, just because their palates have sort of changed and they've accepted craft beer a little bit better. So we're able to do a little bit more with things um but no we 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 brew because we love it mm-hmm. and, and the things that we make are things that we would drink ourselves can you say? yeah and then we we hold ourselves to a high standard for what we would like to drink so whenever we go to another brewery or get a six pack of something or you know those single bottles if they're junk we dump them like why why would we and the same thing holds true here if there's a batch where it's just not going well or this is not what we intended it to be we are our worst critics yeah and instead of trying to (laughs) save it (laughs) save it that's a nice thing you know fix fix a broken beer (laughs) it's never worth doing no never no it's not it's not i because i'm not gonna drink it and if, I, if I'm not going to drink it or Quinn's not going to drink it, then why, why are the customers going to drink it? Yeah. yeah. So I don't think it's fair to them either. Does it, does it hurt the bottom line? Yeah, no, it doesn't. I'd rather serve the quality. Right. It's a nice little spot. If I served junk, then who's going to come? We want to serve good beer. We want to enjoy good beer. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that, that brings up another question. I mean, you're open two days a week? Yeah. Well, most of the time. December is a little tricky. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so maybe know. less? Is that what you're... <laughs> December's tough because of hunting season. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the hunting season gotcha. uh, makes it tough on the farm here. So, so I, I don't want to have hunters uh, in the area. And, and, because and, the hunters aren't coming. You're talking about because they are coming. Yes, because okay. I, I, I don't want hunters hunting while customers are here. So we, yeah. we shut it down for those Saturdays uh, and Sundays that are open for hunting. Gotcha. Yeah, but even in the wintertime, we run a Saturday-Sunday schedule. Our winter hours right now are 12 to 5. Um, we'll, we'll spring ahead once <laughs> things warm up a little bit. We get through a little bit of mud season, um, and then we'll just continue with Saturday and Sunday throughout the summertime. If the, and if the 4th of July happens to fall on a Saturday, we, we're not going to be here. Yeah. And, that's, and that's okay. <laughs> that's we're, great. We're, and we're we post that spot. to Facebook and Instagram yeah. so that, yeah. that people know. Uh-huh. But you know it's a family business, so Fourth of July, for instance, we often just we we camp together. Our families go camping together. So if we're going camping, we're not open in the brewery, and that's okay. I mean, that was one of the things I wanted to ask about. You know, you you both you both work. This is well, this is a side thing. This isn't. I mean, you both have jobs. This is this is my full time. This thing. is your full time. Yeah. Okay, because. If you know a brewery, you have to clean a lot of stuff. There's a yes. lot of cleaning. You need to move a lot of stuff. Yeah. You got to wait for some of that stuff to move. So there's a full-time job involved with okay. any, any brewery. There's there's two of us. Gotcha. So to run a full-time job and to do this, I, I'd like to still be married and have the kids remind, you know, know who my name is. And, and Yeah. That's just, I, I was just thinking, you know, there's two of you and that's <laughs> probably, it, it turns out that is, and I'm like, your weekends are gone. I mean, do you mind your weekends being gone when they're here? So we it's we're not working the weekend together generally. Okay. So he'll do a weekend, I'll do a weekend. Third weekend we generally try to split the days. Okay. And that makes things pretty reasonable for us. Yeah. And we bring um, in family and friends. Yeah. Friends. So when I'm working, family and friends, my daughter might be here collecting glassware, who knows, it, you know, helping to wash glasses. Okay. We just kind of touched on could have built a bigger brewery in the in the barn. I mean, is there any plans for expansion? And if not, can a can a brewery, a craft brewery in America, survive being static? I mean, in that sense. Sorry, a whole lot of question there. No, Take no, that yeah, so you want. so we'll start with the. We get the. Are you expanding? Question a lot. I'll bet. Um, Our largest expansion project was we added extra parking and made a better driveway. 
Yeah, that that was the biggest expansion we did. I, I mean, we when you build this, like as you said, it's sort of it's in the middle of nowhere, or feels that way, and you know you never know what's gonna. So we had our parking that was appropriate for guidelines and regulations, and uh, very very quickly realized we did not have enough parking. So the biggest expansion we did was for parking, and because people certainly aren't going to park on the road. No, that no do not do not park on the road. No, yeah. don't park on the road. But what they used to do is park on the driveway on the side of the driveway oh, coming up in, yeah. um, and it just got chaotic. And there was no connection between the two parking lots nearest oh, right. the brewery. So if you went to one and it was full, you had to go out and then like turn your car around out, and and then go up to the other one. It was just a mess. It's so much nicer now. Yeah, I mean, it, so there were a couple questions there. Do we want to expand? I don't know. We're pretty happy with the way things run right now. And as I sort of alluded to, to move to the barn creates a whole bunch of logistical challenges. Um, Not the least of which is we need a new water source, which is a commercial well, which is costly. Obviously, there's insulating the barn and and getting it structurally sound. Uh, We did size the septic for that uh, when we put the septic in just in case. But, But things like, okay, now we have a bigger brewing system. How do we fire it? All right. Right. We're in the middle. So to, we have a steam generator. How do you power the steam generator? Do you put in, you know, giant propane tanks to power the steam generator? Like, so there's all that sort of thing. And then the other thing that that's so nice about here is it's it's this setting, right? So if we go to a bigger facility where you can have more people, where are we going to park all of those people? So now we're you to put more parking in means to tear away part of the charm of the yeah. of the property so th- your question was can you can the brewery stay static um i don't think i don't ever feel like we stay static uh, like i think we're very much always fluid static in terms of the facility but the beer turnover and the the different beers that no, you'll see your beer turnover is nuts it is <laughs> is really really neat and that's like i don't feel like we're static because of the way we do that yeah i agree food do people bring their own food in yes Okay, and is there? I mean, wait, what? <laughs> no, no, we, uh, yeah, we highly encourage everybody like bring a picnic lunch. Okay. We've got we've got some some minimums back here um, if if we need to. Uh, <laughs> this past summer, we tried we tried food trucks a little bit. We did one a month from uh, April to through September, and it was it was fantastic. But last summer, we had no rain on any Saturday or Sunday most yeah. most all of the the summer. So they always had fantastic weather, which is great. But again, as you alluded to earlier, we have a small tasting area. We've got we've got twenty seats in here. Yeah. Outside is definitely the draw. So on a rainy day, if I bring the food truck, yeah. home, they also have a bottom line they're trying to cover as right. well. So does it make sense for us to always have one? We're not in downtown. We're outside of town. So some folks they don't want to do the risk of well, we might sell three items. Sure. Or we might spell 300 of them. Yeah, um, it worked out very well this past year, and we will definitely do some, and we'll post a schedule up when we when we have it. But it, otherwise, for the winter time, we're not going to get a food truck up here. Yeah. yeah, bring bring things along. I guarantee you, someone will bring uh, the charcuterie board today. A pizza yeah. probably will show up. There'll be some fast food. It, it is, always yeah. happens. Is it? Is there anything like on on the way or nearby that? Yeah, no, not really. Not really. Uh, well, if you go down to Pensdale over to Hall Station Subs, the the sub shop there, okay. the A frame, they they have some decent subs, so people get subs and bring up. But a lot of times, people come through Williamsport and grab a pizza, oh, okay. pizza joints, and mm-hmm. bring it out with them. Um, yeah. Last question: uh, Do you guys have any idea what the hell you're going to have on January? Which yeah. is when the trips when this is going to be coming out. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, sure. On tap. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Chris, you're looking like I'm making this up right now. No, no, no. no I know. No, no. We, we, we actually. <laughs> so yeah, with with the fall, gosh, summer summer was long this year. I mean, we went all the way to the end of October for summer this year with the beautiful weather that yeah. we had. So normally I use October and November to to kind of prep for what what's December and January going to be. Uh, so yes, I can answer that question. I can just tell you what's bubbling away back there. Right, yeah, right now. exactly. That's, that's, that's the easiest, and, thing. and that'll be the things that'll be on by then. So sure. there's a so uh, a repeated beer. There's a Belgian Double that just got done Ooh. last week. So that that got brewed. It's 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 here fermenting, bub- bubbling right now, in the yeah. background. That literally, that's yeah, what we hear. That's okay, what yeah, that's, that's, that's the Double cool. bubbling. Yeah. Uh, so we've got that that sucker going on. Uh, we opened we opened in May, but we opened with a winter warmer because. 
this is this is one of Quinn's homebrew recipes that was just stellar, and we wanted to showcase that hey, we're we're not just the, the pale ale IPA here here's a Belgian blonde or what anything doesn't matter. So that beer it always comes out wintertime. Christmas and New Year's, they fall on the weekend, so opening hour is a little bit different. But come January, that it will be on tap. And it's a... Oh, uh, it's a, it, I always tell people it's a, <laughs> a sort of a porter base um, and some winter spice and a little bit of love. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> it's, the best thing. That's, that's my description of it. <laughs> it's just, a, it's a beer I've been brewing for, geez, 10 years or more probably. And sort of everybody was asking, hey, are you going to have that when you open? We'd say, you know what? We'll brew it. We'll open with it. We'll, we'll, we'll put, put it on. But what we did was we put it on, served it for that first week or whatever, and then we actually took it back off tap and put more seasonally appropriate mm. beers on um, and aged it to the winter and then oh, put it back okay. on. And we always we always save a keg or two for uh, July. Yeah. So the Christmas in we July. We do Christmas in July and, and hold a keg back. Some out there. So, so th- we talked a little bit earlier about like Quinn's beers, Chris's beers. Those are definitely two of Quinn's. Okay, out of his recipe playbook because I, I don't love yeah he doesn't I don't love, love the spice and I don't love the Belgian beers which I know is going to be a shock but <laughs> it's a world that I just it's just not mine own it just no. that's <laughs> well that's and I don't do anything with coffee I, I don't drink coffee I don't like I the flavor of coffee yeah. um, I don't do anything with lactose because of some right. issues with it so. Anything that you see that has coffee or lactose, those are all Chris's recipes. Right. They're all and we happen to have a coffee lactose beer on right now, which I absolutely adore. But uh, the, so next, so let's see, what else? IPA. The IPA that will be on tap in January for sure is yet to be named, but it's a very, very pine tree oriented IPA. Okay. Which we, we thought would be perfect for the holiday yeah. season. We so. wanted to get one a little more piney. Not It's, it's not a hazy. It's, it's going to be a clear beer. Um, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then... Actually, the one's going to keg, get kegged up next. I did a I did a fun little trip. I got to try a whole lot of Italian pilsners, oh, which nice. are these. What seems to be trending now, this dry hopped lager world. So inadvertently, like we we created one, and that's going to get kegged up. And I wouldn't say be, inadvertently. No, 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 no. We specifically for it to hit the worked sh- to create right. one <laughs> for this style of beer to tend to be trending right now that was the inadvertent part yes. I'm opening the magazine going wait we already brew this we're brewing this right now it's, it's bubbling away i'm very excited about that one and that will definitely be on tap come come january time yeah i don't know what's the next brew we finally get to take a break for a week so <laughs> we'll we will come back around there's an amber ale sitting back there the one that we've brewed more than one time yeah that we, we definitely like that amber and and we do um this is really easy. I don't care when you listen to the podcast. We we like to drink seasonally. So yes. we will drink darker beers in the winter more frequently. And in the summertime, we'll we'll enjoy some fruit and some lighter beers. And you can watch our the color of our menu change to go right along with the seasons. Yep. Ambers will come out more. Browns, mm-hmm. porters, stouts. Yeah, you, you're not going to see them in July. But you're not going to see strawberry, peaches, grapefruits <laughs> in February either. Yeah. So not that we can't do. You can put them anywhere. But we like to drink different beers as the temperatures change. And we like to – because we rotate beers so often, we're able to do that here too. Yeah. 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 Definitely improving that. I, I mean, it seems it seems like seasonality is draining out of craft beer. And I, I hate to see that happen. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we like that the variety that that brings. Quite honestly, yeah. I mean, it, it, with seasonality comes a whole bunch of really fun beer styles that you don't get to see very often um, in a lot of craft beer places. So, um, some of that variety is really neat. Okay. Oh, one one just throwaway stupid question: <laughs> Have you had more than two IPAs on at the same time? More than two? No, we've had two once that I remember. Yeah, maybe for a week. For, for like a week, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, we've never we've never had more than two never hoppy more than beers two. on at a time, whether yeah. that's a hoppy pale ale. Yeah, if, that's okay. the other thing is if we have like a hoppy pale ale, that counts. Uh, we we might have that along with an IPA. Okay. Yeah. okay. So okay. Of, the, of the seven taps, <laughs> if you – we get people – I hate hops. Great. You have five choices. <laughs> or six. Yeah. But, yeah I, mean, it, right. I mean, it might be – Six of the seven right. that aren't heavy on hops. It right. just depends. Okay. Well, I'll uh, 
I'll wrap it up and let you guys get back to saving craft beer. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up this Williamsport rundown. Saturday morning brought the need for me to do some work, and to do that, I needed coffee. After a couple cups at the Genetti's breakfast buffet, which was quite good, we went out for a premium cup at Alabaster Coffee Roaster and Tea on Pine Street. Alabaster roasts in Williamsport, but they're more than that. They donate regularly to community nonprofits, and they created the Warrior Coffee Program that puts Lycoming College students and Dominican Republic coffee growers together. You can get the Warrior Coffee at Wegmans in Williamsport and at Alabaster. We had some Warrior Gold. It was a great cup. We packed up and put everything in the car and then walked to Boom City Brewing. I talked to brewer Mark Lorson at the farm show. He was in the last episode. I wanted to drop in and, you know, investigate further. Boom City looked a lot like Eclipse in Sunbury. A lot of wood, old photos, small bar. The boom part was not about the recent fracking boom, as I had assumed. It was about how Williamsport first made millions. Lumber. Fourth Street was known as Millionaire's Row. At one time, 19 millionaires lived on the street in mansions that still reflect that past glory. So Boom City's Mug Club mugs are wood-covered. Huge, but very cool. I had half glasses of the Pine Street Pills, which was clean and well-made, and the Muddy River Porter, which was damned good, rich, but quaffable. I was happy to see plenty of Pennsylvania spirits, including the excellent revivalist gins from Elverson. Then we walked on down to John Ryan Brewery, passing the bases-loaded sculpture collection at 3rd and Market, a representation of a Little League game with the four bases on the four corners of the intersection. Nice public art. John Ryan had come highly recommended to us, but for the food and the experience, the beer was a secondary attraction. I have to be honest, we found that to be accurate. The beers are good. We had the Red Rye, a rare non-IPA rye ale, the ESB, and the Mertzen, and they were all clean and competent. But the food was next level, with a Japanese influence that was fascinating and delicious. It was brunch, and we split a smoked salmon bagel with pickled onion and furikake seasoning, and the tofu breakfast rice bowl with a jammy egg, fried tofu, mushrooms, and snow peas, and rice, of course. Both were phenomenal, the eggs so bright and rich, the salmon soft and dense with flavor that was cut by the pickled onion. I also have to talk about the place. It's beautiful. The architectural plaster decoratives alone are eye-popping, but the little details everywhere, the immaculate perfection of everything, down to the arrangement of the remarkable small whiskey selection on the back bar, was a constant delight. Needless to say, service was exceptional, of a piece with the look and the presentation. I'm not sure I want the beer to get, you know, better isn't the right word. It's quite good, as I said, but more interesting, more standout. I don't think they want that. It works very well as support to the food, and that might be exactly what they're looking for. Not every beer has to be a stunt. Finally, we walked back to Bullfrog, which seemed like the right place to wind up this trip, the town's original brew pub. Bullfrog was bustling, as it usually is around lunchtime. Honestly, it seemed like half the town was there, and we were lucky to find one stool at the bar to share. It's such a proper brew pub with the serving tanks behind the bar and what I believe is still the original chalkboard tap selection at the end. It's hard to believe I've been drinking here for so long. The bartenders were busy, and I've learned not to try to rush them. I waited patiently, and when it was my turn, I was ready. I got the Eskimo Brothers Hazy IPA, a collaboration with Highway Manor Brewing in Camp Hill. It's a Farrago made with pale malt, oats, wheat, and whiskey malt, hopped with Amarillo, Reikau, and Simcoe during the brew. It's then dry hopped with those same three hops. Um, dry hopping's a common term with hazy IPAs. It's where your more hops are dumped into the aging tanks after the beer is brewed and resting. You get more aroma that way. It was hazy and aromatic, as expected, but also quite bitter, a kind of New England West Coast hybrid. We shared it. Okay, Kathy had a sip. She was, as an old beer buddy used to say, beered out by now. And that was almost our last stop. I wanted a cup of coffee for the road and decided that rather than just grab a Dunkin', we might as well hit another of Central Pennsylvania's many coffee roasters. Buzzsaw Coffee is a neat, clean little spot a few blocks north of the Penn College campus. 
Kathy got a latte, I had a large drip, and they were both fresh and rambunctious. There is definitely a coffee roasting episode coming. But that's the Williamsport episode. I hope it wasn't too long. It was a lot of fun, and there are more great places in Belltown. Acme Barbecue and, of course, Roscoe's come to mind. We got some suggestions while we were there. If you know any places we missed, let me know. Before I go, I'd like to note that Trogues has just released a small batch of Cordial Elf, a Mad Elf release at the brewery only. Now, I may go get some of this tomorrow, maybe, but I'd like to remind you of this bit from around the 34-minute mark in Episode 3, the holiday episode, recorded on December 13th. The uh, the cocoa elf, the um, the cordial elf, like a cherry cordial, any chocolate, or do you just ooh, that's a good blend idea. that with grand cacao? Wait, what? Oh, chocolate elf? Yeah, yeah. So that's grand cacao and so elf blended. Yeah, okay, but so I do like this idea. idea of a cordial elf. I might yeah. have to pursue that a little bit. Yeah, because then you could do the spice, a little bit of rum action. Ooh, huh? now we're talking. Yeah. I'm I'm in. I'll, I, I, I'll, I'll beta test it. I, I was gonna <laughs> say I'm all that's Yeah, let's find that blend. Now, I'm just happy Cordial Elf happens, no matter where the idea came from, right? But that's kind of cool. If I do score some, that's what I'll be drinking next episode. And that's the show. My thanks to Quinn and Chris for the interview, and thanks, as always, to my wife Kathy for running with me on the Williamsport trip. Though I think she did have a pretty good time. You can find pictures of most of these places on Instagram at Stag Podcast and on Facebook at Seen Through a Glass, where you'll find pictures and links and ways to contact me. Stag is, of course, now available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Please subscribe to get notice of new episodes, and if you like the show, please take a moment and drop a rating or review. Thanks! You can always message me directly on social media to let me know what you liked on an episode, what could be improved, or what Central Pennsylvania drinks and food producers you'd like to hear from. This episode was produced entirely by ChatGBT. <laughs> just checking to see if anyone's paying attention. The next episode will be another town-specific one, but this one will be all about our home, Milheim, the home of the mills. I was able to get the two Tims, co-founder and founding brewer, at Elk Creek, to sit down for an interview, so I figured I'd roll with that and talk about the town. Because as I always say, for a crossroads town of only 900 people, Milheim punches well above its weight. And next episode, I'll show you why. Thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Lou Bryson on Seen Through a Glass from the smack dab center of the Keystone State. <laughs>